this time of the year, my favorite songs, probably yours as well, are the Christmas carols that we sing and the traditional songs like our youth uh, open our service with today, like Oh Holy Night. And even though those are still my favorite this time of the year, I did ask Jan to sing this particular song, Mary Did You Know, because it has become one of my favorite Christmas songs uh, each and every year. And there are two reasons behind that. First of all, because of the lyrics of the song and the, and the manner in which they are given to us, it just always challenges me. It always reminds me of this, of my Lord and my Savior and just really who he is, the Lord God Almighty. But then there's another reason. Every time I hear this song, Mary, did you know, it challenges me to look at the Christmas story from the Word of God, not from heaven's perspective, <clears throat> but from a human perspective. And by that, I mean just specifically Mary and Joseph, the two major players along with God as this incredible event, the most magnificent holy event to take place in history at that time, God coming to this earth and to look at it from what was happening in their lives. Think with me for a moment. Here we have a young couple living in a small village. Uh, they would be considered the poor of the poor, and we know that because later on after Christ is born and in the passage that I was reading earlier uh, when they came to present Jesus to the Lord, and I mean to the Father, and then Mary to go through her purification, she brought as an offering as part of the law of Moses two doves, and that was the minimum. And so we know that that is a revelation of the fact that they were just poor, they were just normal, regular people, and, and here they are going to be part of this incredible, magnificent, holy event that has taken place, and they have no idea that it's coming. In fact, it's kind of interesting to me to consider this reality that, you know, there was only a hand few that knew. The rest of the world, the first Christmas was a total wash. They had no idea. They had not even heard of it. And so here, Christ, the son of a living God, Emmanuel, God come to this earth, took place and they had no clue. It came and went as in terms of an event and it did not touch their lives whatsoever at that time because they had no clue. Now we could say this, and those of you who have been part of the Sunday night study when we were studying the prophecy of Daniel, that the people who should have known should have been the children of Israel because the Lord through the prophet Daniel said, here's the date I want you to begin with. When this event happens, then here's the number of years, the exact number of years that's gonna take place when the Messiah would be born. And so if they had just been studying the word of God and understanding these simple words given to them through the prophecy of Daniel, they should have known exactly within the year that the Messiah would be born, the Messiah they were looking for. But most of them had no clue. They were looking for the Messiah. They had no idea it was gonna happen when it happened. And Mary and Joseph had no idea they were gonna play a central role in this incredible event to take place. 
young couple with all kinds of dreams. Scripture says they were betrothed to each other. That's not the same as an engagement that we have today. You know, if you're engaged today and things don't work out, you can walk away and no big deal. But in that day and time and in that culture, to be betrothed to one another was really you were married, just waiting for the day of the ceremony and the consummation to follow. But you were technically husband and wife. And so they have these dreams, they have these plans, and all of a sudden God intervenes into their life. And talking about throwing a wrinkle in somebody's plans. Talking about changing somebody's dreams. Talking about changing their life, not only then, but we could say eternally because God showed up. Now look at it from Mary's standpoint. Now here's a young lady that probably was a teenager. Most scholars believe that she was somewhere around 14, 15, 16 years of age. And you may think, wow, that's young. But in that day and time, uh, those that we classify as teenagers today were actually considered adults, and many of them married at that age. Now, in our day and time, teenagers want us to think they're adults when they're quite, quite there. But back then, they were adults. And so here's this young lady, and she's preparing for the marriage ceremony. She gets up one morning, <clears throat> going through the routine. All of us have some type of routine when we get up in the morning and probably thinking about the responsibilities, things you need to get done that day. Just a normal day of life. And all of a sudden she finds herself talking face to face with an angel of God. And this angel says to her, and I'm going to put it in our vernacular today, all right? He says, hi, Mary. I got a word from you from God. And God wants you to know he's found favor with you. And God wants you to know that he wants you to give birth to his son. Even as a virgin, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And you're going to conceive. And as a virgin, you're going to give birth to the son of the most high God. Now, just try to imagine what's going through her mind. The scripture says at the beginning, she was perplexed. Really? You know, probably going, wow, what? And all of a sudden, she's trying to deal with all of this stuff. I mean, she just got up that morning, a regular day, and all of a sudden, she receives a direct message from God, from Gabriel, an angel of God, and he tells her this incredible event is going to take place and that God has chosen her. She had a multitude of questions and probably even more after the angel left. Questions like, how am I going to tell my family? How am I going to tell Joseph? Is anybody going to believe me? What, what are people going to be saying about me? I can imagine from her humanness, all of this is going through her mind. But then consider Joseph. He's got a little job in the village. It's his responsibility during this time before the marriage ceremony and the consummation. He needs to prepare a place for 
marry and for their life together. So he's up early that morning. He's going through everything. And then all of a sudden, Mary shows up and says, we got to talk. And so she tells him what has happened. She's gone through this ocean. And I look, I, I was just at, I was just, and all of a sudden, and that angel was there. And, and here's what he told me. And, and you just seem to know, I've been with no man, but I, I've conceived and I'm going to bear a son. <laughs> it's going to be the son of God. Let me ask you a question. Did Joseph believe her? Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with, to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, notice that, her husband, not one she's engaged to, but her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Did he believe her story? No. And I guess we can kind of wrap our minds around somewhat of understanding that. And when it says here that he was going to put her away privately, literally what that means is he was going to divorce her. Not being a righteous man, a kind man, a gracious man, he was looking for a way to do it in a way that she would have the least amount of repercussions as a result of this. And we're, we're grateful that he had that kind of heart, but here's the truth. When he first heard the story, he did not believe it. Then God intervened. In the beginning of verse 20, it says, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been, who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus for he, is, he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And so now we have this young couple who had all these dreams, I'm sure, plans, at least thoughts of these things, excited about building a life together totally unexpecting that they would be the major players in God coming to earth. So here's the question I had. One of the reasons I asked Jen to, to sing this song. I'm an inquisitive type guy. And so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, what did they really understand about what was taking place? Now, I can assume being, of the, the, being an Israelite, being Jews, that they, they knew the Messiah was coming. They had some knowledge of that, but what did they really understand about Christ 
about this one that they was going to name Jesus, this boy that, that Mary was going to give birth to. What did she what did she really know? What did she really understand? What did Joseph know? What did he understand? And, you know, we have to be honest. We really can't answer that. But we do have, I think, a hint that they were like us. Boy, they were really trying to process this whole thing. For instance, after the shepherds had come and, and uh, they, had, they had come and they found Mary and they found Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes just like the angels had told them. And then the shepherds told Mary and Joseph everything the angels had told them. And so the, the scripture tells us that in response to that in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 19 that Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart. In other words, she was processing. Wow. Who, who is this? And then later on in Luke chapter 2, after they had brought Jesus to uh, the temple 40 days after his birth, and they came across a man by the name of Simeon. Some of you know the story of this, that the Holy Spirit had promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. He saw the anointed one. And so they brought and he, he, he got together with Mary and Joseph and began to prophesy. And as a result of what he said, the scripture says in Luke chapter 2, verse 33, and he, meaning Jesus, Jesus' father and mother, Mary, were amazed at these things which were being said about him. In other words, they were processing. They were trying to understand. Now, when I look at it from our perspective, just take the advantage you and I have today. 2,000 years later, we've had years and years of scholars who have gone back into the Old Testament and put all the prophecies about Christ together and explain how he fulfilled all of those prophecies. We have the very story of his personal birth from beginning to end. They were dealing with it day after day as this, this story began to unfold and their lives began to unfold. And so they're dealing with it and processing, but we've got the whole story from beginning to end of his personal birth. We have a full understanding of his perfect atonement for sin because we've got the whole New Testament, Paul and James and Peter and John, all of them explaining in detail this incredible gift that Christ came to give by paying in full for the guilt of all of our sins. So we, we have all this prophecy explained to us. We have the full story of his personal birth. We have full understanding of this perfect sacrifice he made. We know about the power of his resurrection from the dead. We know that right now his place in heaven is at the right hand of the Father. All authority has been given unto him, both in heaven and earth. We have all of this, and they were just having to deal with it as it unfolded before them. Here's what I think they had that we don't. Or, let me reword that. I believe that Mary and Joseph had a faith and an understanding of what it means to live your life for the Lord your God that most 
the vast majority of, quote, church-going people today do not have. Now, I want you to think about their response. Here Mary is, as we go back to Luke chapter one, and she's perplexed. I mean, she is overwhelmed. And we understand that. But even in the midst of trying to just wrap her mind around what she just heard, this was her immediate response. Luke chapter one, verse 38. And Mary said, behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Simply this, thy will be done. She surrendered. She surrendered immediately to the will of God. How about Joseph? He wakes up the next morning. What does he do? Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. So in the same spirit, with the same faith, Joseph surrendered his life to the will of God. I have been wrestling with the truth for about a month and a half. And I began to share it. I shared it at the Palmetto Baptist Associational Singer Adult Luncheon as a devotional. That's when it was kind of beginning to me to just wrestle with it. It began to capture my heart. For those who have come on Sunday night in our study of spiritual authority and spiritual warfare, I have shared it as well. So there's some of you here who have heard this at least once, maybe twice, but I want the whole body of Christ to, to seek to wrap your heart, our hearts around this truth. What Mary and Joseph understood about living our lives before the Lord or living our lives for the Lord our God is that he desires more than commitment. He desires surrender. Now, for years, I just kind of used those words synonymous with each other. Commitment, you know, are you committed? You know, are you surrender? I just kind of used them synonymous. And the Lord has, has shown me that there is a significant difference between the two. Now, keep in mind, I want you to understand, I'm not saying commitment is a bad word, okay? It's not a bad word. And, and I, I could say this, being, being Baptist, I'd say this, it's a good Baptist term. It's not a bad term, and it's a good Baptist term. We love to talk about 
commitment, but it's not a good biblical term. And here's the reason why. In commitment, I reserve the right to control my life. So what do you mean by that? Well, in commitment, I get to choose what I want to commit my life to. And I get to choose the level of commitment I want to make. And I get to choose how long I want to be committed to what I have chosen to commit myself to. That means I'm still in control. But in surrender, I relinquish my right to control my life. In commitment, I'm still Lord of my life. In surrender, he's Lord of my life. The name Lord, the word Lord, means total authority over. So when I am surrendered, I'm not saying commitment's a bad thing, but I want you to understand the difference. When I say I'm surrendered, then every real life decision, are you listening to say amen? I don't want you to miss it. Every real life decision I make, I start with him. What's your will? Thy will be done. Not my will. Where do you want me to invest my life for you? How, what level of involvement do you want me in this aspect of my life? How long? It may be until... You see, he's making decisions because he is Lord. And either I'm sitting on the throne of my life, acting as Lord of my life, or Jesus is sitting on the throne of my life, and he is Lord. And if I'm committed, I am Lord. If I am surrendered, he is Lord. thought occurred to me as I was dealing with that, that Jesus actually gave us a verse, or gave us a word that I call the prayer of surrender. I want to share it with you. Matthew chapter 6, so pull that up on your iPhone, iPad, or turn to it, whichever way you're looking at it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, you know the passage well probably. The disciples grew up praying to God, but they noticed that when Jesus prayed, obviously there was quite a difference between their praying and his praying. And so they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. I mean, we want to connect with God the way you're connecting with God, which happened to be, of course, his heavenly father. So he gave them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 10, he said, pray this way. Listen carefully. He said, pray, your 
kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now look at that with me. He said, pray. This is what the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now what this is up front is a personal invitation. Your kingdom come. Now in a general way we could, you know, we can look at it in terms of the whole world. Your kingdom come. But I want you to look at it in a personal way. When I pray, and I pray, Lord, your kingdom come in my life. What I am inviting Christ to do is to come and reign and rule as Lord over my life. I could pray, your kingdom come in my marriage. And so by extending that invitation, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, you come and reign and rule in the relationship that Kathy and I have as husband and wife. I could pray, your kingdom come in my family. And so what I'm doing, I invite him to come and to reign and rule as Lord in the family. But here's what I want you to see. That personal invitation can only be fulfilled by Christ if it's followed by a personal surrender. Because if I am not surrendered to his will, if I'm not surrendered to him as Lord of my life, then he's not gonna be reigning and ruling in my life. A husband and wife, if they're not surrendered and he, he is Lord of their lives and Lord of that man, he can't reign and rule in that situation. In their own way, Mary and Joseph had grasped the understanding of that. And so even in her perplexity, even in her life being turned upside down in just a few moments and having this incredible event with an angel of God and getting this message, she immediately said, thy will be done. Joseph, yes, Lord, I will obey. So the question we've got to ask ourselves, are we surrendered? Now, like everybody else this, this Christmas, we're going to do like the rest of the world. Let's be honest. We're going to give gifts to each other and, you know, go through all those things and do all this good eating, you know. Some of you are going to go too far, so next Sunday I expect to see you at the altar getting that right with God. Some of you have already done that, so. <laughs> Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Would you give Jesus a gift? Would you give him the gift of your life? As a married couple, would you give him 
your marriage, as a family? Would you give him the gift of your family that he could be Lord? And when you think about it, I mean, who better to be in control of our lives than the Lord God most high who loves us unconditionally, who has perfect knowledge of everything, not just in the moment, but whatever's coming, who has perfect wisdom and loves us with such incredible love that he died for us. Who's better to lead my life and be Lord of my life than him? So you don't have to wrap it up. No ribbons, no tape, no getting in the flesh trying to get all that done. Just give him your life. And say, you know what? I surrender thy will be done. And so, Father, I come to your throne of grace with all of these in front of me here. And I come to speak a word to you on their behalf. Lord, you know how crazy it gets in this time of the year. You know what it's going to be like this coming week. Oh, but Lord God, would you take this truth that we learn from Mary and Joseph, that you teach throughout your word, and that, Lord, we would give you what you deserve, not just our hearts, but our lives so that you can do all that you want to do in us, through us, that we might experience the fullness of the blessings and the benefits of you being our Lord, you being our Savior, you being our God, the benefits of why Christmas even exists, why you even came. Lord, speak to all of us who are married. That, Lord, we would take time to just surrender our marriages to you. May there be a time in all the paper and boxes and everything that we just say, hey, wait a second. As a family, we give you the gift, Lord Jesus, of this home for you to be Lord, Master, King, and you be glorified and your name be exalted. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. I know you never violate our free will. So this is a choice that we make. It's a choice that Mary made, Joseph made. May it be We'll make it this Christmas. And we thank you, Lord, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.